For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 91, no, actually 92, of Blue 92. Harvest, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And yes, I would like to go ahead and make an apology. Last week I said we were doing episode 81 by accident. Did you really? I, I was, and a very uh, talented young man who lives in the Boston area by the name of Steve let me know that I fucked up. I had a rough week as far as podcasting fuck-ups last week. I fucked up on Rogue One and put the wrong bumper music in. Really? And then last week, I uh, I said episode 81 instead of 91. So, And then you hear I, I fucked it up this week, too. So, There's a pretty small error, dude. <clears throat> hear, hear, me, hear me, baby. Hold together. So hold together. So we got some uh, big stuff to talk about this week, one of which we're going to save towards the end of the show because it is lightly spoiler-filled information from the Disney shareholders meeting today. But some cool stuff to talk about, a little casting news for Han Solo. But before we get to that, I'm going to give you the business. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Harvest Pod and on Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. Email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com and buy our shit at tpublic.com slash user slash a Blue Harvest Podcast. You slipped that one right in. I like I wasn't I yeah. wasn't ready for it and the business hit me in the face. It's like you were standing at the sink doing the dishes and I was like, hey Will, look at this. Boom! Boom. Business all over your face. Mm, that was good. Mm. You know how you know when you do good business, you know, it's better than sometimes? That was good. That was like a, uh, oh my God, you used to get me all the time with the fucking crippled ghost. That was like the crippled ghost of, of, of business? Of the business. Well, you know what? That was just the foreplay of the business. Here comes the best part. We're part of the Making Star Wars podcast network. Oh. Did you know that, Will? Sure, yeah, I did. I did. And I'm stoked. I'm stoked. So am I. We're part of us, an amazing podcast network, along with such great podcasts as Now that This has... Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Rogue One, 
the Cantina Cast, Idiot's Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Cargo Hold, and First Order Transmissions. I feel like the Making Star Wars Network and all the fans that fall under that umbrella are some of the best fans on the internet because they're comprised of good people. You know, they're just, they're Jedi to the core and like our fan base is where it's at. And to be part of the Making Star Wars Network where all the other fans are just good people like that, it's a good place to be. It's a good community. Mm, I couldn't have said it better myself. Will with the warm and fuzzies this Wednesday afternoon. Bringing it to you. So, um, you want to talk some Star Wars, buddy? You got anything cool going on? Anything? Any stories about seeing firearms at fast food restaurants or anything? Nope, nope. I I don't have those. I don't live the Fast and Furious life that my buddy Hawes here does. Oh, I don't know about Fast and Furious. Fast times in Irondale High. Yeah, no shit. No shit. Well... First up on the Star Wars news agenda, this is the going to be you know one of the things we cover before we get to emails and then the spoiler section for this evening. Michael K. Williams of The Wire and Boardwalk Empire and apparently Assassin's Creed and many, many other things has officially joined the as yet uh, untitled Star Wars, Han Solo, a Star Wars smuggler, Star Wars story, dot com, dot org, dot net, a Star Wars anthology, <laughs> dot com. And that's pretty exciting, man. I um, am only familiar with him from a couple of things. I've seen The Wire, and uh, he's excellent in that. He plays a character by the name of Omar. Uh, I am familiar with his work he did on Community. And that's about it. I'm not familiar with him from Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Will, you know <clears throat> a little more about this guy than uh, than I do. What what you got? Uh, the you only got things me? that I really know about, I know he was in the Assassin's Creed movies. Uh, and I know he hosts uh, some of the Vice Essentials. He's like, uh, I guess, a, what do you call it? A consulting journalist for Vice. He also has a show on that channel about dancing. So that's like the... It's a performance art dancing kind of stuff, and it's it's really cool. So what you're telling ways. me is he's a man of many talents. He's a man of many talents and much cultural knowledge. Well, he, he hung sounds... out with a bunch of uh, carjackers, you know, trying to understand the life of carjacking, talking to them, <clears> and like uh, went behind the scenes with like illegal street gambling, you know, like in New York and stuff, going to the club and talking to the people that do it, and just you know, get, shining a light on some of the less known parts of life and society and why they are the way they are i wonder if all this uh research into the i guess you would say less unknown or less known shady parts of society will be a nice little bit of role research for what he's going to be doing in the han solo movie yeah absolutely i'll say this what i have seen him in uh he's incredible he is. He's quite talented. Good once, actor. Once again, the Disney era of Star Wars seems to be knocking it out of the park as far as casting goes. They definitely know what they're doing. Hey, hey. Hey, Dharma. Shut up. Dharma. I think it's appropriate. I haven't heard from Dharma in a long time. Yeah, and she's she's fired up about Michael K. Williams. She's stoked. She said, he is a good actor. Boardwalk Empire was a great show. Chalky White was his name. Yeah, I haven't watched Boardwalk Empire, so I couldn't tell you about that. But I know he's a good actor. Um, 
what do you think? I mean, it's hard to say um, with this kind of thing. Um, but who he's going to play as far as what kind of character. I mean, I sort of discussed this on uh, Rogue One this week. I don't really think we're going to be seeing much of the Imperial side of things in this movie. That To me, this is going to be the more Star Wars underworld type what setting. What if he's like an opposing street boss or an opposing street boss is number one like their killer their contract killer bodyguard yeah for a gang faction that could be that could be very well the case um <coughs> enemy or adversary it's gonna be awesome um this is the thing so do you think he could end up being sort of one of or the villain of this movie? Yeah. Yeah. If not the main villains, you know, main henchmen, like the Darth Vader or the, you know. Right. The big boss is number one that he sends out. Okay. Yeah, that that's the thing. I don't know that we've um, really been clued in on anybody that's been cast as far as the villain of it. Like, we've heard sort of the rumblings that Woody Harrelson's character is going to be Han Solo's mentor. Which, right. of course, even if he is his mentor, doesn't mean he couldn't double-cross Han Solo and Lando and become the villain right. of the movie. Um, unless maybe uh, Amelia Clark is going to be the villain, which could be kind of cool, actually. That would be neat. Um, you know, it's just a... You, like I was saying, I also said this on Rogue One, so sorry for the repeat for anybody that listens to both. When Adam Driver was cast for The Force Awakens, it was pretty clear that he was being cast to be the main villain. A lot of articles even cited it as him being the quote-unquote Darth Vader of the new movies. Um, same thing I would say with uh, director Krennic, Ben Mendelsohn, Mendo, hashtag Mendo. I think that's still a thing. Um in his awesome cape, it was pretty well understood that he was going to be the villain, too, when he was cast. So, you know, I wonder wonder what they're going to do. Now, here's a question. Do you think maybe Jabba is going to be the main villain, and therefore we don't need to cast anybody? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they could. It's possible. But I just, for some reason, don't feel like... Han Solo has been the only enemy slash boss of Han Solo. You know, he's a smuggler. Like, isn't that his job by trade? He's a smuggler. Yeah, and clearly, over sort of a lifetime of smuggling, he'd run afoul of a few people. That's what so, I was. That's what I'm hoping. This is the thing. You know, like you I could would paint the story of Jabba all the way back, but to me, it feels more epic for him to have crossed more you know yeah well big lords before he got to jabba then got a bounty on his head I'm like he one, was good at it you know. i'm 100 percent down with seeing jabba in a han solo movie i'm pretty convinced that if this is successful if it's well received and it makes a good bit of money then this will not be the last sort of young han solo movie we'll see right you know you kind of wrote yourself into a corner with Rogue One where you can't really do 
when I say a sequel, okay, yes, A New Hope is the sequel to Rogue One, but you can't yeah, you carry put the on into that movie five seconds before A New Hope, right? right. And, and so you can't really do a sequel with those characters because they're all dead. Yeah, that you don't have that case with Han Solo, right? You know, they've got a long lifetime of these characters looking the way they do till they get older. You know, right? And who knows? Like, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in this movie. But you've probably got 10 to 15 years, somewhere in that range, to fill in. Because I think Han Solo's supposed to be like 35 in A New Hope, somewhere in that area. Yeah. So, you know, if this is 10 years before he's 25, 15 years before he's 20. So, you know, you could stretch that out. <clears throat> and, um, you know, what's what's wrong? If this dude nails it as Han Solo, I'm 100% confident in Donald Glover as Lando I'm 100% confident in the rest of the casting and it's not that I'm not confident about uh Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo it's just he's untested to me I haven't seen him in enough um to see if he's going to do a good job but seeing as the cat how the casting has gone for these other movies I'm going to put my faith in uh Lucasfilm and Disney on this one and say you know they exhausted their research and found the right guy for the job. I agree. So, all right. Uh, next up on the Star Wars news docket, just a couple of little things. Uh, it was announced today on the Celebration website that there will be no Star Wars Celebration next year in 2018. The next one will be in 2019, which I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of happy about because that just gives me... Uh, more time to save up for the next celebration after this one. So, right. from purely selfish t- a standpoint, you know, a year later could be uh, pretty awesome. That would put it in the same year as Episode Nine, so it would probably be a very Episode Nine centric celebration. And yeah. the one thing that's kind of a bummer is that means there'll be no celebration sort of tied in with. The Han Solo movie. Now, if Han Solo keeps its May 2018 um, release date, we're looking at getting that like six months after the four or after the Last Jedi. If yeah. that stays the course, and we get that in May, I could see why they don't want to roll out a celebration right after doing all the promotion for the Last Jedi and having Han Solo come up and everything. So it makes a little sense to me. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the next one is. Will will it be Anaheim? Will they go back to Europe? Could we possibly be looking at another Celebration Tokyo? I'm telling you right now, Celebration Tokyo would be tough for me to pass up. Oh man, that would be epic. Do you I, know the kind of cosplay you would see there? Like, you know what? I I guarantee you that the cosplay would be awesome. There's no doubt. But I'm telling you, I don't know that it could hold a candle to the, my 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 buddies, the Rogue Rebels, Sal and his family. Man, I've been That's seeing true. I've been seeing some pics of what Sal's yeah. gotten going on. Man, I've seen and, some stuff on Facebook, and it's it, uh, so epic. He is a talented guy, man. He is. So, yes, I'm sure the cosplay would be crazy impressive. I'm just looking for an excuse to go to Japan. It's my number one sort and of. And the food would be great. Oh my gosh, the thing about it is. If they were to do Star Wars Celebration in Japan in 2019, I'm pretty confident that I could save up the money 
to go on that trip. It's not going to be cheap, obviously, but it could be well worth it. The question I have is, if celebration is three or four days, like I'm going to have to go for a couple of weeks to see yeah, all the stuff two. I want to see in Japan, plus yeah. take in celebration. That's true. Maybe find a, a panda out in the wild and pet it while I'm in Japan. It'll be wrong. It'll be Bad the idea. most. It'll no. be the most peaceful, serene moment. Like I'll be standing there with like a, a bamboo in my hand, and I'll be like, "Come on, buddy, come on, buddy, come on over." And he'll just come up and he'll gently take the bamboo from me, and he'll like turn his side to me like Dharma does when she wants me to pet her, and I'll just give him a good brisk pet and I'll roll away. I won't. I won't overstay my welcome. No, because to tell you the story of Hawes, I'd have to tell you the story of Ling Ling, the aggressive female panda that ate Hawes' face off when she got hungry. <laughs> they got face transplants now. she had a penchant for now. meals on wheels. They got face plant technology now. Face, yeah, get like a face no. transplant. Oh, You're build, missing the point. I'd be like, can you give me a face that looks like Harrison Ford? Be fucking handsome, son. And I would get to pet a, a panda. You know what I figured out? Quick tangent. <clears throat> I found out the surefire way to be able to hang out with and pet exotic animals in a safe, controlled atmosphere. Hit me. You got to be a fucking late night talk show host. That's probably a good way to do it. I've been watching them on YouTube. I've been watching old David Letterman ones, and I've been watching some Kimmel ones and some Conan ones, and they're all the time getting creature handlers that'll come out and be like, here you go, David Letterman. Touch a baby leopard. Hold a baby leopard. Right. That I I want that. Like I don't want. I don't have Here, the talent. Here, our or, lion cub. Here's exactly. Little baby tiger. Yeah, man. And Jimmy, I'm telling you right now, Jimmy Kimmel is a bitch. And I only say that because he's afraid of every fucking animal they bring to meet him. Where I'd be but, like rolling around on the ground, wrestling with them and stuff. He, uh, you know what? He does it because it's funny. He did the same thing to, um, what's her name from Rogue One? Felicity Jones. Right. You know, like he acts like she was going to hit him because it's funny. And that's that's also part of what makes it not. It's not funny because, eh. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're scared. Like, Look, I'll say this. Of all the uh, late night hosts that are around now, Jimmy Kimmel is the one that I can stand the most. Yeah, me too. So... Um, fuck, I had something I was going to say about petting animals. Oh, and like so, Jimmy Fallon laughs at his own jokes. So we, we know someone through, uh, he's a listener. I don't know how much information he wants me to give out, but we both talk to him a good bit on like Facebook and stuff. He works in a Hollywood capacity as an editor on a very popular TV show. Okay. He knows who we're talking about. He, right. Like he knows. If he's got any, I'm talking to you, buddy. If you've got any Hollywood friends that are interested in a 30 minute late night format show where a fat guy in a wheelchair hangs out with exotic animals, let me know. Give them my number. Because I would, that's, that's what I want to do. Like, I can be the guy over in your band that you throw to. Oh, no, you're going to be there because the reason I want you there is because every time like they bring out a tiger and I get to pet it, I'm just going to look at you and go, you were so fucking wrong, Will. Look at petting this fucking tiger so good. Oh, he loves it. 
<laughs> and I'm going to be standing back a reasonable distance and be like, I'm glad you're having a good time. It's a statistical inevitability. Just give it time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? None of those guys ever got eaten by an animal. And I would be the first. I, you know, knowing my luck, I would be the first late night host that's like, tragedy strikes the Burkhart animal power half hour. But it just gave you, if it just gave you a nip or like held on to you and like chucked oh, you around for a minute, like a serious wound probably, it would take some attention, but um, it'd probably be great publicity. Like then everyone would watch your show. Well, yeah, like there's a fine line. You, can, you can't go full mall death. You can't go just like a it, tiny scratch. Right. You also don't want to go Siegfried and Roy getting carried off. That's what off, I was about to say. You, you know? don't want to Siegfried and Roy it, but... Somewhere below Siegfried and Roy. Hunter it right before death. You know, I'm sure he got Nixon scrapes. All the time. I saw that poor dude getting bitten by... And see, this is the thing, like, <clears throat> there's got to be a rule. No bugs. Like, I don't want hissing, hissing cockroaches, oh, giant oh, spiders. Do I don't Not do in the insects. So, reptiles, mammals, I'm cool with. Amphibians, crustaceans, for the most part, I'm cool with. I ain't got no time for any bugs, spiders, mantises, anything like that. But you bring me I, anything else, I'm down. I'll I pet take it. a general. I take a general policy to pet what needs to be pet. Pet what wants to be pet. I don't have a desire to pet a snake. Snake doesn't need me to pet it. Doesn't want me to pet it. You We're know gonna what? leave it that way. I'm pretty Spider sure. doesn't need me to pet it. I'm not gonna pet it. That's fine. I don't. You know. It's not like I would hate it, but you know, they hate touching one because I did when I was little. But, you know, the desire to hug animals stays, you know, I don't want I don't want to pet a bear. Bear doesn't want me to pet it. That's fine. Like, And there was that one time you petted my chocolate spider. That was interesting. Mm. I've heard like a contented cat. And I've hugged you like a sweaty bear before. <laughs> yeah, we can. We do bro hugs. We're not. A, we're buddies. We're not afraid to hug. We're not too manly to break out a good bro hug. Oh, man, that's how you, you know, I'm safe in my sexuality. I'll hug a dude all day. If I wanted to bang you, you'd know it. And I might you, even. You have, you have known it. I might, and like, if I know you well enough, if I, I know you on a will level, the first time I see you in a couple of months, I might grab your package. You do did. I it did. did. I got it a handful. Did. Handful, son. Um, well, uh, that's going to do it for news. <laughs> uh, I was just singing about the juicy ripe tomato. Oh, mm, oh. so juicy. <laughs> So juicy. I'm pretty sure that show I just pitched was Brian Fellows from Saturday Night Live, by the way. Oh, Brian Fellows. Yeah, that's it. Shit. All right. Not that original, I guess. All right. (laughs) So you want to do some emails, and then we'll get into the juicy, the last Jedi details that we were given this week. And by we, I mean anybody that has a Twitter account and wants to look that kind of thing up. Let's do it. All right. Well, you know how we start this segment off. I do. Hey, wait, Kia D. Uh, I have a fact I read about Kia D. Does he really have seven wives, or was that <laughs> so? You? Hold on. Let me. Uh, okay, let me reset here a second. All right. Sorry, I, believe... I didn't mean to. I no, didn't no, 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 to... no. No, it's totally fine. In the EU, he had he did have multiple wives, and that was because. His planet had a low population, and he was allowed an addendum from the Jedi Order to yes. have. His country, his planets. Yes. You know, that's it's like his religious belief to be polyamorous. Not polyamorous, I don't know if polygamal. It was, I don't know if it was so much his religious duty it was as it was like his his 
duty to repopulate. Yeah, societal duty, societal duty to repopulate the planet and stuff. Right. Um, I don't know if that counts anymore. You know, the, that seems like one of the things they'd be like, yeah, let's get rid of that. Let's just sweep that. <laughs> let's pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, let's lay that, that dude with the big dick head. He doesn't lay seven ladies at once. No. <laughs> that he doesn't have happen. some. All right. So in honor of the, uh, <laughs> the Poon Hammer. <laughs> Poon Hammer Kia D. Literally. Let's, let's rock it. He has a binary brain. Oh, look. Will's, Will hit up the Wikipedia while we were listening to that jam. I, I, I looked at it earlier today, actually. You know, I could just cut that song in and save us a little time, but I have to hear it. That's the thing. Like I, I play it like I do live because I have to hear it. He doesn't play it for any of you. He plays it because he loves it. I play it like I, I'm glad you guys love it. I'm really glad. But I love that. <clears throat> All right, so first up, we have our buddy, Vader Nick. Hey, guys. I'm just finishing listening to King Tom's email on last week's show. It got me thinking. There's a new animated show in the works. I've got two ideas here. Great or not, I leave it to you. First, we get post-Return of the Jedi Boba Fett escaping the Sarlacc and following his bounty hunting adventures, or we get the adventures of Luke and Ben Solo in the new Jedi Order. What do you both think about these ideas, or what would you like to see a new animated show follow? Ya boy, Vader Nick. P.S. When does the Blue Harvest Patreon go up? I gotta get a heads up on that shit so I can beat King Tom to being the first to sign up. Okay, so let's tackle this animated show first. Um, This is, you know what? Both of those are so cool. I don't know why we couldn't have our cake and eat it too and get sort of both like the cool thing about the clone wars was that we got all kinds of different stories interwoven through granted the sort of annoying thing about clone wars is that it wasn't in chronological order it jumped around a lot so what i would like is we get a chronological post jedi animated show where we get a four-episode Luke and Ben arc, or we get a four-episode Boba arc, and then we get a Han and Chewie arc, we get a Leia arc, we get a Poe Dameron arc, we get a Snap Wexley arc, we get a Jessica Pava arc, we get all these, you know, new characters and old characters sort of interwoven in the sort of 
big galactic picture. The question is, what could their, as far as that sort of thing goes, what could be their main threat? Because the First Order is off in the unknown region sort of coalescing at this point. And, you know, there's all kinds of adventures you can have a Jedi and his, his younglings or his trainees getting up to with Luke and Ben and, and the rest of his students. So that's easy enough. But as far as like a big threat to the galaxy, I wonder what they would do. And I guess you could always have some sort of offshoot of the Empire, some Imperial Revenant, remnant that, um, you know, gives uh, our heroes some trouble. Maybe they could even work Thrawn in if he survives through Rebels. Um, that's right. some, something I've always sort of talked about and thought about is the original story for Thrawn is that he got sent away into the unknown regions by the Emperor and he came back post-Jedi. Um, and I could still see them maybe doing that. And, and you could, in a way, rework some of the Heir to the Empire stuff but weave it better into the canon. Like, Heir to the Empire came out in this sort of weird area where they weren't allowed to touch any of the prequel stuff, but they let some stuff slide, like the clones and stuff like that. What about you, Will? What do you want to see from my Star Wars animated series? You know, honestly, I'm wondering what they're going to do because I'm wondering who the fan base is going to be for the show you know because rebels is aimed at at kids it seemed like the beginning of clone wars and most of clone wars aimed at aim more at kids you and, know um, the thing is is going back and watching clone wars it's not necessarily i mean there's definitely some kiddie stuff in it but as a whole it's a good bit sort of more mature storytelling i feel like it uh, it hits that as it you know as it gets going it does hit its stride the beginning of it starts i feel more simple if that makes sense it kind of does and when you look at say like ahsoka's arc in that uh show it's really good because she starts off as sort of the annoying sidekick character but by the end when she leaves the jedi order like, holy shit, what a, a classic Star Wars character is born. Like, an amazing addition to the Star Wars universes in right. place. She's awesome. Like, you know, it, it, I don't mind if they do characters that are more kitty and stuff like that, as long as they let them grow and become, you know, more mature and more, I don't know about hardened, but, you know, especially if they're in, like, battle situations and stuff. Um but that is I mean, a good question. You even see them grow old. Like, it's a generational thing. You know, you've seen old Ahsoka. She's crossed two animated series. So, you know, one could be them young, and then the next one could be them, like, older, you know, adults. That'd be okay with me, but I think it'd be cool to have two in two different timelines. I just, you know, because different series are aimed at, you know, Archer is not aimed at the same crowd that Clone Wars is aimed at. You know what there's I mean? There's some like, crossover, but I see what you mean, obviously. I mean, there you know, are different animated def- shows, and I, you know, I'd like one that was a little more mature. <laughs> it doesn't have to be, you know, R-rated or, you know, but a little more PG-13 than PG, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I would say that Rebels as a whole is generally, I would say, like if you were to take some episodes of Rebels and put them into a theater, 
they'd probably, depending on the arc and the episodes, be in the G to sometimes PG area. Yeah. I do know what you mean. I would like a little towards the end of PG, PG-13. And I don't know why we couldn't have both. Why you couldn't have a show that was aimed towards the younger kids and a show that was aimed towards being a little closer to a for everybody. I think Rebels is for everybody, but there is the, the occasional thing that I'm like, oh man, that's that's not for me. It gets a little yeah. slapsticky and stuff. And while I do think that kind of humor has its occasional place in Star Wars, uh, there's clear evidence that it needs to be done quote unquote right. Right. Um, you know, some of the stuff between, um, you know, uh, C-3PO and R2 and A New Hope is a little slapsticky. You know, he's they're kind of like two of the three stooges at the beginning on Tatooine. Right. Uh, C-3PO's bossing R2-D2 around and kicking him and slapping him and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, and I don't know why when I was a kid when um, R2 gets shocked by that ion blaster by the Jawa and he makes the noise and falls over, that always cracked me up. Yeah. Um. So what if if they said Will Witten, we're flying you out. You're going to become part of the story group as head of development on a Star Wars animated series. The proviso is is it cannot be rated R. It has to be like you know a PG thirteen and under type show. What do you do? I do the story of Jedi Luke's first Jedi class. Okay. And I would do, I'd probably do an adventure with Luke after Return of the Jedi. I gotcha. So you, so you're, you're more in the, the, the you want to see a more Luke Jedi focused type thing. It'd be good. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I can see how we, like the story of the Damarons might be cool if it, you know, <coughs> was worked from the, those comics. Yeah. Where they're on Yavin. With the yeah. forestry and shit. Yeah, that could be cool. Um, right on. Now, secondly, uh, Vader Nick asked us if we were going to be starting a Patreon. And uh, I'll say that it's not out of the realm of possibility. I feel like we've got to, A, be able to provide some quality extra content for a Patreon. That's the thing that Steele and the guys over at Now This Is Podcasting do so well is you get a lot for your Patreon donations with them. And I I don't want to be in the position where I feel like I'm not giving our listeners or anybody that would potentially sign up for that thing the short end of the stick. Um, So we, you know, I've got some thinking to do on that. It will not be anytime soon. I'll say that mainly because I still feel like we got to build up a little goodwill with our listeners. No pun intended, Will. It's like, you got one. What do you need another one for? Where there's a will, there's a way. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, Steel and, and the guys over at Now This Is Podcasting, they've been at it quite a bit longer than us. They have shown that they can consistently provide excellent content, um, you know, and, and they offer something. They, you know what I mean? They're they're established. I don't I I don't want to jump the gun on it. When it when and if we do a Patreon, I want to make sure that a we can provide some extra content to you guys to make the Patreon donation worth it, and b that uh, you know there's a need for it. You know we don't want to uh, 
I'm just saying, like, if, if, if there's there's excellent Patreons to go sign up for, and and you know what we could do? What's that? We could put you know my my Skype. You know how I always put the video on, and you don't like. You could see my face while we record, and we could put that on Patreon. You know, that it syncs yeah. up with the podcast. Yeah, we could we do could some sort of, you know, occasional put your live cam on streaming. And like yeah. Put it on Jesse and the animals. We could definitely do some sort of live streaming, and so there's options out there. It's just, um, you know, also a matter of time with me. I do two Star Wars podcasts. Yeah, I have absolutely. a full time job, and I'm in a, you know, uh, we could have special edition T shirts and art and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's. Like I said, there's plenty of things we it's could just offer. Lightning has struck my brain. I just want to make sure that you know, like I said, if we did it, there was a need for it, and um, and uh, you know that we did it you right. Got what you paid for. Yeah, that we did it right and didn't, you yeah, know, screw any any of our listeners over. That's more important to me. Um, at this point, is trying to you know just make sure we take care of our listeners. <clears throat> so next up, we've got an email from. And I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this email is from Red Fox from Sanford and Son. That's what it, that's what his email says. It's Red Fox. Oh, he's coming, Elizabeth. I'm he's coming, coming, Elizabeth. Lamont. Uh, actually, no. His name is Neil. Dear Halls and Will, I'm a recent addition to the Moisture Farmers of Blue Harvest podcast, and look forward to it now every week. There are also other numerous podcasts from the Making Star Wars Network that I listen to as well, like Now This Is Podcasting and Rogue One. My question for you is about the end of Revenge of the Sith. In one of the last scenes, Yoda informs Obi-Wan that he can contact Qui-Gon Jinn with practice. Now, I've always assumed that that meant Qui-Gon would appear to him as a Force ghost, as he does to Obi-Wan. Did you guys take Yoda's message to mean that or something else? If there was ever a standalone Obi-Wan film, I would think this would be a fantastic part of it. Your thoughts on this? Thanks again for being one of the best parts of my week. Your friend in the force, Neil from Chicago. Thanks, buddy. That was very kind. Yeah, thanks, Neil. And Um, thank you for the email. So, the deal with uh, Qui-Gon, as I understand it is, is Qui-Gon doesn't attain the ability to become one with the force until after he passes away in the phantom menace that's why and and so he can't appear as a force ghost he hasn't mastered it to the level of say an obi-wan or a yoda so there's some arcs in the clone wars if you haven't seen that sort of touch on this the arc that ends the show yoda's last arc is excellent and it sort of touches on that um, if you're familiar with Rebels and how um, Yoda sort of shows up to Ezra at one point as like these sort of firefly-looking lights that sort of coalesce around each other and float around, that's basically how Qui-Gon appears to Yoda in the Clone Wars. And you hear the voice very clearly. Yes. Um, so I think that oh, Qui-Gon can communicate with Obi-Wan and Yoda, but I don't believe he can appear. That being said, if they do an Obi-Wan spinoff movie, I think that's an excellent chance to at least get Liam Neeson into the sound booth and get some, you know, dialogue from him, even if he doesn't appear as a force ghost. Um, Right. You know, that just seems like an excellent idea to me. Um, But that's how I understand it. Do you have a different take on that, Will? 
No, that's 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 basically what I was thinking. Was that Qui Gon has the ability to communicate with a voice, but maybe not necessarily appear. And it seemed like Obi Wan was the really the first to figure out how to appear because Qui Gon Jinn would have been standing there at the end of Return of the Jedi had he figured it out. You would think to see Anakin again. Yeah. I mean, that's true, but you also got to think that if he's there at the end of Jedi, like, Luke's like, okay, Yoda, Obi-Wan, this handsome fucker with the long hair, gotta be my dad. Who's this other fucker with the ha- samurai hairstyle and the beard? I don't but, know. You, know. you think he wouldn't appear just because Luke didn't know who he was? They all... I don't think that. I just that think... That probably takes a massive concentration to... I was just trying to be funny, Will. Just trying to be funny here. No, yeah, and I analyzed it. I'm sorry. No, no. I You, you definitely make a good point. Um, that's also why Qui-Gon's body doesn't disappear in The Phantom Menace and they burn him. You know, Yoda and Obi-Wan's bodies disappear because they immediately become one, one with the Force. So that I remember when that happened in The Phantom Menace, people were like flipping out. They were like, George Lucas fucked up. He didn't have Qui-Gon's body disappear. And then other people would be like, cool, chill out. It's probably going to be explained. And that kind of was. What's neat is that, you know, I guess, Uh-oh. I don't know, It's it slipped me. It, Did you it hit was a complex hole? and it, it, it slipped me. Well, if you, can, if you if it comes back to you, let me know. We're going to move on to our buddy. Uh, yeah, let's R- move on. Richie from means. Boston. <clears throat> Will and Halls. I thought I'd take a break from my silly voicemail to ask you guys about the music of Star Wars. But first, a story. My favorite character in all of fiction, even more than He-Man, see episode 23 of The Sith List, Cha-Ching, is Luke Skywalker. More specifically, I'm a fan of Luke in Return of the Jedi. I love the character for his growth, his power, and his unwillingness to use that power to violate his principles. The dynamic between Luke and his father makes the storyline even more poignant. That affected me as a kid. I've always had a somewhat complicated relationship with my old man, and watching Luke and Vader interact always helped me navigate <clears throat> navigate through that. My favorite musical moment in all of Star Wars is in that moment when Luke finally flips out and goes after Darth Vader. You can really feel the weight of the whole saga, as well as the father-son relationship, through this musical masterpiece of John Williams. And the men's choir really carries it. To this day, when that moment in the Return of the Jedi soundtrack hits my speakers, I have to stop what I'm doing and listen to it. And yes, sometimes there's even a little lump in my throat. I think it's one of those moments that speaks to young boys who watch it. And as, uh, as I've already said, the men's choir carries it. I believe that this moment was specifically designed to speak to fathers and sons. As a father, I just have to make sure that it doesn't speak to my son like it did to me. That may be easier said than done. I almost named my son Luke, but at the last minute I gave him the same name that my dad and I share. So perhaps the cycle continues. So I have to ask my favorite podcasters this question. Is there a piece of any of the Star Wars score that affects you emotionally? Anything that hits you harder whenever you hear it? Perhaps there's a piece that you relate to in your own life's experience as this piece resonates with one of my own. Richie from Boston. That was a really nice email, Richie. Yeah. He told me he was bringing the warm and fuzzies this week, and I didn't get a chance to read it uh, beforehand. So, 
So, uh, do you want to start this one off, Will? Is there any? Sure. Uh, mine's very simple. We've either had this question before or we've touched on this before, maybe very specifically. But, you know, and I'll say what I said then. My my favorite and most, the moment that puts me in my feels the most, that hits me right in the heart, gives me goosebumps, is that big swell, that twin sun swell in the beginning of A New Hope when he's standing, you know, over the moisture farm and the suns are setting. Like, that hits me, like... Something about that hits me, and especially like being that age and just feeling like I don't know, you're trapped in a small town and you couldn't get out, and you were just waiting for the next adventure, like trying so hard. Like that hit me, it, it hits personally, and so that piece of music you know really what? sets I think, it off. I think that whole thing sort of resonates because that's my answer as my absolute favorite of, and and what I love is when they bring it back in a great way. For instance, when, well, no, it's the force theme that plays, right? Or is it the same thing that plays when Ray calls the lightsaber to her in The Force Awakens? I hit Oh, you know what? Sad answer. It's been so long since I've seen The Force Awakens, I can't remember. You need to put that shit on Blu-ray. That's what I am. I have it. I'm going to pop it in. Um, Yeah, man, that's my favorite. And I think, you know, I think it's interesting how some people connect with Luke like we both did as kids when you grow up and come from a small town. You know? Yeah. Now, Columbus, Mississippi, is it the world's smallest town? No. Is it a small town compared to where I live now? Absolutely. And uh, it's a lot bigger than now than it was then. But I definitely <laughs> identify with that sort of thing. Part of that is going through a process of being different you know it wasn't just for us it wasn't just a small town it was that we were different like we read books we were into comic books you know we liked superheroes and movies and like all my friends like hunting and you know espn and like i'm i'm weird because i didn't like any of that stuff i had friends that definitely were into you know what i was thinking about this the other day and I was just saying, like, getting into college and stuff like that, moving to a right. bigger city, I found enough people that I was like, oh, I belong here. Like, my buddy people Steven, are into what I'm into. My buddy Steven and my buddy Mike were definitely into Star Wars. They were definitely into comics. You know what sort of brought kids of my generation and your generation together, though, was the fucking Nintendo. It was. That was our common ground. Everybody, everybody played, played Nintendo. And I feel yeah. like Nintendo was sort of the gateway drug to nerdier stuff for it kids. You, you know what I'm right. saying? Like For kids that weren't, would not have otherwise right, been. Right, right. And like, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like it's definitely not understated, but I was thinking about it the other day. The impact that one fucking piece of electronics, a video game system, had on... Me and my friends and everybody I knew growing up. I remember... And the family unit, for that matter. Like, your parents and grandparents playing this thing. Like, my dad has not played a console game since the Nintendo, but he played Nintendo hard. Hard. He would... I would get up in the morning and be eating my Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and my dad would be like, beat Mario last night. Beat Mario (laughs) 2 last night. Beat Wizards and Warriors last night. And I'd be like, oh, you got to show me. And he'd be like, no, you got to figure it out on your own. And then I remember trading punch-out tips with kids at school and be like, oh, you know how you beat King Hippo? You punch him in the fucking mouth. Exactly. And then he shows his Band-Aid. Yeah, man. Man, such a good time. 
that's it. And like my uh, my dad's first partner would play late at night. Same thing, Mario. You know, seeing how far he could get, and like he would cuss up a storm. Like there was a drunk sailor downstairs, but he'd what? wait till we went to bed. So, but if I woke up in the middle of the night, or if it was loud enough, I could hear it. And uh, when if ever he started cussing, we were little, I'd be like, Dad, Jeff's using his Nintendo words. I was about and, uh, to say, like, oh, you referred to cuss words as Nintendo words. Nintendo. I Nintendo almost words. glanced over that. Glanced over that. Holy shit. That's awesome. Nintendo words. No, those are bad Nintendo words. You're going to hear a lot of Nintendo words during this podcast. Yes, you are. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Like, your dad and Jeff weren't hardcore gamers, but... But they gamed, dude. My dad played Summoner. Like, I guess I said Mm -hmm. he didn't play... Jeff actually probably played more Nintendo and dad played the games like my dad played wow at one point like your dad, dad played, played wow he loved elder school games he loved yep. moro wind the first yep. time i ever went over to your dad's house uh in huntsville <clears throat> i may have been a little inebriated and right. i kept saying forevermore sanchianados like I, I i was nervous like i get you know i get nervous meeting new people and like i was like i don't want my new buddy will's dad to think i'm a total fuck up I sure didn't help my case, but he gave me Morrowind tips to like, you couldn't get this stuff online. He was like, no, what you do is you get the levitation spell. (laughs) The levitating spell and the boots of blinding quickness or something. Yep. He he had it down. He did. He He knew his shit. My dad was a first generation computer programmer. Like we're talking punch cards. My dad was right. graduated as a computer scientist, like with his bachelor's degree, and worked at Intergraph for a real long time before he became a clinical psychologist. So he was really into the computer games. Like my dad was on that Tron level. Your dad also showed me how to cook. Uh, not couscous. What's the other thing that he couscous. showed me? Couscous. Like I helped your dad. It wasn't couscous. It was something. Food sim- so nice. They named it twice. <laughs> it's a something similar. That's risotto? Like risotto. Your dad showed me how to cook risotto one time. Yeah, risotto's the bomb. All right. So next up, we... Oh, I meant, I forgot to mention um, when we were talking. You know what's really been getting to me lately, Star Wars music-wise? Is what's Leia's up? theme, for obvious oh, reasons. and that's sentimental. Uh, I was watching... So the first example I had of this was right after Carrie Fisher's passing. Our buddy Steele did an episode of his call-in show where he hosted it by himself. And he just had people call in and share Carrie's stories and memories and stuff. It was beautiful. It took me weeks to get through because I don't feel like bawling in my car as I drive down the highway. But the first time I went to listen to that episode and it started with Leia's theme, I, I had to, I backed out before the show even started. It was too much, man. And now, um, most recently, uh, a few days ago, I watched The Force Awakens. And that scene when, um, you know, Leia touches down and meets Han you see them meet up again for the first time and they play that theme oh my god man oh my god tearjerker all right next up we have our buddy James Halls and Will hey guys I must say that Halls' story about the altercation at Burger King was scary but don't be fearful moisture farmers because we all know what fear leads to i'm pleased that halls and his lady are okay and that halls isn't doomed to an eternity of roaming this earth as a force ghost with a burger king bag in his hand all the while suffering because he cannot eat the questionably delicious food in said bag because you know he's dead oh i'd find a way 
There ain't, a death ain't gonna stop me from deli- eating some delicious fast food or undelicious fast food. Uh, c- can you imagine, man? <laughs> my last, my last moments on this earth are in a Nissan Sentra, in a Burger King parking lot. Man, it's sad to think about. You know, like I, a Jason Bourne moment or something. So I looked that guy up. I looked. Uh, I I kept looking to see if it came up online or oh, anywhere. You mean like his arrest? Yes, I finally found. Really? it. he did get arrested. He got arrested for disorderly conduct. He got de- arrested for a resisting arrest. He had two failure to appears and drugs or drug paraphernalia in his car. Homeboy got his balls stapled to the wall. Yeah, it sounds like acting a fool led to your demise. Um. You know what, though? I was thinking about it. If he did take a shot and a random bullet came at me and hit me in my butthole, I'd just clinch real tight and catch that bullet. And then I'd turn it around with my butt piece and then shoot it right back at him. That's my... That's the the perfect... That's the butt clinch ricochet. It's mm-hmm. if if you have the shutter speed close <laughs> the, at the velocity. The aperture. The aperture's to, gotta be like <laughs> to reflect the trajectory of that projectile right back at its shooter. I mean you have to have the force to clench your butthole that fast. I mean if I pulled that off, like I I better like they just better like I just better never have to work again. They'll be like he's a real life superhero. He caught a no, nine millimeter you, bullet with his butt piece and shot it right back at the guy. If you blink you miss it. That's how fast it is. And all the, the only evidence is there is is a smoking hole from my, right in the middle of my, my pants. Entrance and exit. All right, sorry. We'll get back to his email. <laughs> 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 On to my question this week. As episode eight gets closer and closer, I've been thinking about storytelling and what is reasonable in the context of a two-plus-hour film. We know that The Last Jedi, like most Star Wars movies, will feature some battle sequence, at least one interesting creature-slash-alien sequence, the Wampa, Rathars, etc., some New Republic politics, and introducing and developing new characters. When I start to all add it up, I come up short when it comes to the exposition that we all want. Is there some sensational... Is there some sensational backstory for Luke, Kylo, Snoke, etc.? Then it will require bits and pieces of explode... I need to look at this better. Exploration from multiple points of view over the course of the study story while not distracting too much from the present storyline. Will we learn anything about Snoke? This gets to my broader question. How much missing story about Snoke and Luke will remain open and unresolved after episode 9? After all, they may be setting up the table for more movies. And will fans be disappointed in the lack of excess exposition despite the fact that it can be detrimental to a quality film Woo, that's a dense email buddy it is okay you should have written this into a smarter star wars podcast i'm going to have to put my thinking caps on my mind grapes do you want to take the wheel yeah i'll take it the more exposition that there is like you said you run the risk of you know giving too much to follow not a great movie the way The Force Awakens happened, it told you so much without having to literally say a lot. You know, all that was said was really what needed to be said to move the story forward. But everything else you really learned visually, and it, it set the stage in a way. Yes, you're going to get more of what Snoke, <coughs> the conflict between Snoke and Luke, 
in episode two because you have to. The more yeah. you learn about Luke, the more you you have to learn about Snoke and why why he is the way you know. It, it's the, the his antithesis. It's the reason for his his solitude. You know, clearly his subversion of Ben. But you'll you have to, the more you learn about Kylo, the more you learn about Snoke. Like you'll get Snoke from those channels, right? And you, you may know, not learn a whole lot more by the third movie, just like you did The Emperor. I'm sure he'll still be shady, but I, I think his biggest appearance will be in the third movie, like The Emperor. And you know, you'll you only you'll only get what you need in the second movie. Yeah, I think we'll get some pieces to the puzzle. I don't think if you're going to go into The Last Jedi expecting everything to be spelled out. Not saying that our buddy James is. I'm just saying in general. If you're going into this movie expecting to know everything at the end, you need to temper those expectations. And I think Emperor Palpatine is a good ex- sort of way to look at this. Look at the amount of information you had about him after the original trilogy. And it's not much. I think we'll have more with Snoke, but I don't think it will be completely ironed out. I think we'll get some hints and maybe it's even some full-on answers about where he came from. But to me, if you do a good enough job with Snoke in Episode Nine, that's an excellent, you know, setup for either further movies exploring his past, which seems kind of unlikely to be honest. But books, comics, animation—I guarantee they'll cover his past in a book or something. Yeah, it'll be real dark too. Yeah, and you know that some of that stuff, like the Darth Plagueis books and the Darth Bane books and stuff that came out in the old EU, are absolutely excellent. So, you know, I don't know that you would even want a full movie about Snoke's backstory, but that sounds like a cool-ass book that's going to fill in, you know, what we it don't does. know after Episode Nine, And that's assuming that Snoke dies at the end of Episode Nine. I assume he will, but who's to say he's not going to stick around and be the villain for the next trilogy, too? We don't know. I ain't got no crystal ball. Tell you this. I can think of, that's the only way I can think of. I got a bulletproof butthole. Yeah, yeah, is that Ben kills Snoke. That or sacrifices himself protecting everyone else from From Snoke. Snoke, yeah. All right, so we have one more email and then two more voicemails. We'll do the voicemails last because I believe we might have a couple of Jedi Masters uh, responding to our buddy Soar's Mandeem that has been calling in and and challenging them lately. But first up, uh, in the vein of uh, the Burger King story that we got a lot of excellent feedback on, I might add. Yeah. Um, we have an email from our buddy, Eric Struthers. Now, let me tell you something about our buddy, Eric Struthers. He is a musical genius. All right. If you've heard the bumper music on Rogue One, the spoiler alert, the dude fuck that guy, that's all Eric. Eric knows other talented guys, like our buddy Dallas, who should really email in sometime. You know, he doesn't really interact with the show very much. I'm trying to keep his secret identity, his Kit Fisto secret. Um, there you go. But uh, maybe I should go in and backmask that part and play it backwards and people will be like, oh, what the fuck happened? Or um, like, yeah, yeah. Yes. He, he got together with our buddy Dallas and he got together with our buddy Luke, who is an excellent artist. He did the current Rogue One cover photo on iTunes, the movie poster with me as a tank trooper and Johnny as Krennic. And they got together and they said, you know what? Fuck this. 
fuck these blue harvesters and their moisture farmers. We're going to do, do them one better. We're going to make a Star Wars podcast. So they did. And it is The Bad Motivators. And you guys should check them out. They, so this is coming out on Saturday. I don't know if they'll have an episode out yet. But keep an eye out from what I understand from my buddy Dallas. Next week, you guys will be able to check them out. And you should. You know you got time for one more Star Wars podcast. That's a good name. More. That is a good name. That is an excellent name. Another good name, the Laughing Fuzzballs. <laughs> so, the Bad Motivators. You need to check them out, guys. Um, solid dudes. I'm sure it's going to be a very well-produced, excellent Star Wars podcast when you got three smart things like that behind it. They got your fine example, and I'm sure they're very capable. Uh, Dude, uh, my fine example, I, I'd be trying to take examples from Eric as far as audio production goes. I'm serious. You know, if he has talented. a brother, they're the Struthers brothers. The Struthers brothers. Well, anyway, this is what Eric has to say. Halls and Will, first off, you guys are crushing it week after week. Thank you for Thanks, doing dude. what you do. Thanks, Buggy. Buggy, buddy. The buddy, burger, buddy. <laughs> buggy, buddy. The Burger King story reminded me of something that happened to me in the south side of the Chicago metro area, sort of near Midway Airport. At the time, I wasn't doing music as a full-time living, and I was in an electrical-slash-mechanical construction trade. I was working on a new KFC that was slated to open in about two weeks, so the building was pretty much complete. The first thing that I notice is that the drive through has a completely bulletproof setup where the clerk is isolated from the outside completely by a very thick and complex plexiglass and acrylic tray rig. Man, he's talking some, 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 some terms. Hardware. Some hardware. Right here, I want to take a moment to say that if I'm going to have a job where getting shot is a legitimately, de- legitimately, legitimate daily concern i sure better be making more money than working the drive through at kfc call that hazard pay anyway while i was there a lady came up covered in blood asking the construction supervisor for some cab money to get to the hospital he offers her offers her a ride and it turns out she only wants the money he figures out that it's fake blood and she was trying to scam them why does this matter just wait Everyone else leaves, and it's just me there to finish up. I'm working on the roof, and I hear some people getting into an altercation down in the parking lot. One of them says they have a gun and will shoot the other, which I think was the woman from earlier in the day. So I decided I was not going to look over the edge. I hear a bunch of metal clanging around and some yelling, and then it was all back to normal traffic noise. I wrap things up and get ready to come back down from the roof. When I get to the edge of the roof... I see that my ladder that I used to get up there has been stolen and I'm stuck as stuck can be up there. I'm trying to gauge the drop to see if I can survive jumping down. I zipped up one of my tool bags and dropped it down into the fresh mulch in the landscaping to see how soft it may be. It didn't seem too bad, so I went to get my other bag and went back to the edge. In that span of time, someone had come and swiped the first tool bag I dropped down. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm looking all around and can't see anyone. I take a chance and drop down into the fresh mulch. Nobody comes to kill me, so I'm pretty pleased with myself. I get ready to leave and find that almost all the gas has been siphoned out of my company car. Oh, shit. 
Worst day ever, yeah? I drive off and head to a convenience store down the road to get some gas to find someone getting the beat down from a guy while another guy stands there with a pistol in his hand at 6.30 p.m. on a weeknight. What does this have to do with anything? Nothing, really. But I can say that my job would have been a lot more fun if you're, if I had your podcast to listen to while I was stuck on that roof. Later, Eric. Holy shit, Eric. Dude, that's quite the story. You had a bad day again! Someone swiped a ladder, then a bag and of tools. tools. Before no, he th- could you know even what that see means? it. That means they know they left him on the roof. That means that whoever that fucked up individual is took the ladder... And then realized, oh, somebody, he must have dropped those tools off that roof. I know he's up there, like, consciously left him up there. That is fucked up. I didn't think, they were, like, sitting in the bushes watching this all go down, and they were like, oh, shit, he's about to drop that bag of tools. That is about to be my bag of tools. Mm. Brutal, buddy. All right. So, like I said, we got a couple of voices. (laughs) Brutal. Fucking brutal. Check out the bad motivators. So, um, first up, we've got a voicemail from Kia D. Mundy, and I haven't gotten to listen to either voicemail this week, so we're could all be in spicy. for Yeah, could, could be, be spicy. Mild. He's always a little spicy with seven mm. wives. Yep. You gotta be. Yes, and hello. Greetings to the Blue Harvest podcast, especially your hosts, Haas, Bookhot, and Will Whitten. Uh, and of course, all of the Blue Harvest podcast. Uh, I believe you all call yourself the Moisture Farmers now, which is an excellent uh, nickname to call yourselves. This is, if in case you cannot tell by the uh, just docile tones of my voice, this is Key Adi Monday. Now, the last couple of weeks, I've been busy fighting off all the separatist bastards who are threatening the republic and all that for which it stands. But no matter how busy I get during the Clone Wars, I always take a couple hours a week to listen to the Blue Harvest podcast. And recently, the last couple weeks, you have gotten transmissions from some, uh, some chop who, he sounds rather uh, displeased, I'm not sure why, but he refers to himself as Soz Bandim. And I have been trying to uh, just recall who this uh, Padawan youngling could have been. And I think I I came up with, you know, there are so many Padawans and younglings, and not all of them make it through the Jedi trials. So there are so many who come and go, and it's just hard to remember. Most of them are not remarkable. And I think this chap falls under that latter category. But one thing in particular, he mentioned on his last uh, transmission to the Blue Harvest podcast, did ring a bell to the ears of Kia D. Mundy, who is, of course, myself. He said that he got kicked in the nether regions uh, by Anakin Skywalker, which, first of all, I highly doubt, because Anakin Skywalker is one of the greatest Jedi of all time. He, <laughs> Of all the people who could turn to the dark side, I highly doubt it would ever be Anakin Skywalker. But nevertheless, this youngling Soares did earn the nickname around the Jedi Temple of Squirt. Now... You know, this squirt, from what I understand, on the planet Earth is a common nickname referred to younglings uh, as a way-to-go squirt. 
But in Soa's instance, it was not so much of a fun nickname, or at least it was not a fun nickname for him. You see, every time we put him through one of the trainings that all the Padawan must complete in order to eventually, potentially become a Jedi Knight, poor Soa has actually pissed his pants every time, and therefore earned the nickname Squirt. Nevertheless, it is very pleasing to my heart to know that Soa's is still alive and well. So Soars, a.k.a. Squirt, please be safe. May the Force be with you. Oh, Kia D. That was um, insightful. Always ready to drop a little shade on other Jedi, that Kia D. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Like, like it seems like if, if, if Kia D and Soars ran into each other at... Um, <clears throat> Like, you know, at the Jedi Temple, Kia D would be wearing, like, Oakley shades. You know the kind of Oakleys I'm talking about? And he'd pull them down just to the tip of his nose and be like, what's up, squirt? And wink. Wink! And walk away. That's true. Well, next up, we've got uh, another Jedi voicemail, and this is from Kit Fisto. And something tells me he might be addressing the same thing, so let's see. Uh Uh-oh. Harvest fans, moisture farmers, and especially the greatest hosts. Hold on. Why does why does Kit Fisto sound like Adam Sandler's goat character all of a sudden? Do you know what I'm talking about? about sound, sounds like the dog. Sounds like the uh, that's the triumph, the insult dog. <laughs> okay, okay. Back to Kit Fisto's message. Osburkhart and Sir William. For me to poop on. For me to poop on. First, by saying my vacation was awesome, I am one of the few beings in the galaxy that can fuck many, many chicks at one time because I have several cocks on my head. Yes, I am addressing the alt facts of one Jedi Master, Ki Adi Mundi. The famous cockhead. What thing that Key Amandi fucking forgets to tell everyone is he used to have a normal head. For it me to poop on. Normal with a dumbass <laughs> ponytail on the top, which I used to like because it kind of resembled one of my cocks. But uh, one day we decided to play a joke on Master Mundi and we said, hey, he needs headache medicine why don't we fucking crush up some viagras instead of the fucking headache medicine and tell him to smoke that shit needless to say it happened and that is why now he can split chicks with his head pud because he's permanently <laughs> foul foul cranium up because of this super excuse, powerful celestine viagra he smoked like some fucking kentucky meth anyway <laughs> okay okay the alternative Kit fact that i do kentucky not meth get got that me. many chicks is such bullshit i have crushed more asses than sir william witten doubtful I learned Boom. From him doubtful and took it to the next level as i do in all things and to address also the fucking Euro trash kid oh. who 
we thought got killed by Anakin Skywalker, and now he's fucking still alive. Anakin Sidewalker? That doesn't have the same ring to it. Master Mundy and myself, Master Fisto, are not as great as him. Fuck you. You died because you thought a Sith Lord was going to help you. Yeah, I might have been killed in a matter of seconds, but it was to a fucking Sith Lord. That guy's master. This fucker died to the apprentice. Fuck you, loser. Well, he was you a kid. You are not as great as myself, or even Mr. Uh, Master Mundy. At least it took like 30 clones to kill him, and he didn't expect them to help him. He just had that oh fuck look on his face as they shot him many, many times. Anyway, I digress. On to the show. Master Witten. Let me just say, I have never tried any uh, delicacies from Earth until this recent vacation to the place I believe you call Las Vegas. It was nice. exceptional. Because of the many cocks on my head, I am a one Jedi Master Ordi Orgy machine. Gross. No other dudes Gross. is what I'm saying. Many chicks just me because of the many cocks on my head gross anyway i mean how do you so fit them all there there's just the not space recipe it was delicious i'm about to try the cheese straws and i think they will be amazing i am starting to really like this earth food now on to the matter of fucking burger king drive-thrus don't go in them because apparently rednecks will kill your ass if you're Kia Dimandi, guns are not your friend. Because fucking clones will kill you and rednecks in Alabama will apparently kill your fucking ass over a Whopper Junior. I you follow the famous Dave Thomas and go to his restaurant where rednecks will not shoot you in the drive-thru and you can get the big bacon classic and you can devour that delicious earth burger because it has never been frozen. Anyway... Thank you, Moisture Farmers. Thank you, Sir Witten. Thank you, Beard of Knowledge, Haas. I appreciate the opportunity for me to come clear the air about these alternative facts. Oh, boy. Well, from that voicemail, it sounds like uh, Kit Fisto would fit right in on the cabinet. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm getting a bit of a sexual assault vibe from him in that last one. That's yeah. assault, brother. I don't know. Gross, man. I'm looking at this Kit Fisto pop on the table, like, right across from me, and I'm like, mm -mm, that ain't dicks on his head. That ain't dicks on that man's head. And then another thing, you know how he said Kia D doesn't like guns and the clone troopers? That made me think, what if, instead of Timora Morrison in Attack of the Clones, they used a redneck guy from Alabama? I'm the best. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm the best at what I do. Have you mm. ever been to Coruscant? Oh, from time to time, man, you know, here and there. And then all the clones talk like that. <laughs> They'd build cooler speeders, I'll tell you that much. Oh, there would be, like, fucking sick flames on the side, and they'd be lifted, maybe some neon under it. Yep. And they'd have some fucking sound systems in them, too. Yep. All right. Well, on that note, that disgusting tentacled note... 
that's the kind of content you can get on the bad motivators because I hear Kit Fisto as a as a executive producer on that. So check them out. Uh you got you want to talk some Last Jedi spoiler stuff and then call it a night, my friend? Yeah, let's drop the the big one. All right. So if you are super sensitive about spoilers and you don't want the vaguest tiny little details from The Force Awakens or the for the Last Jedi, then uh you should tune out now. Thanks for listening this week. We'll catch you next week. Uh, just so you know, there will be a tiny bit of dialogue talked about and, some, like I said, some vague scene details. I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm usually super spoiler-free, but I myself read it in the news because I'm a big news guy. I read right. a lot of NPR and news and stuff and whatnot, and art, it came up in an article. So, you know, if mainstream media is coming up with an article, I guess I can't avoid that spoiler. Right. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm... And I'm I, here with you. I'm usually spoiler free myself, but I'm 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 right there with you. This one, and it's not that big a deal, really. It's just, no this. And honestly, a, this is probably going to be stuff we may even see in the trailer shortly. So right, that may be why they they told it at the meeting or and showed it. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, like I said, if you want absolutely no spoilers, turn back now. Turn back. All right. So, apparently today in Denver, there was a Disney shareholders meeting. And as part of this meeting, they were shown some footage from The Last Jedi. Now, I'm reading this off of MakingStarWars.net, which is your best source for all Star Wars news, rumors, and spoilers. So, check them out if you're into that sort of thing. But the original tweets came from someone by the name of Daniel Miller... His Twitter is at Daniel N. Miller. So that's where all this was coming from. He was at the meeting. They were not allowed to film or photograph anything. Surprise, surprise. So this is what we hear. We just saw more Star Wars The Last Jedi footage. In it, Luke asks Rey, who are you? Then we see her deftly handle a lightsaber. Ooh. Ooh, it's tiny, but it's it's huge. Who are yeah, you? I mean, it makes sense that that's who he would ask. That's what he would ask. Her response is appropriate. Do you, th- so you think, I can't tell by the way this is written. Was this two different scenes? Did we see her handing him the saber and he says, who are you? And then it cuts to her in some other scene using the lightsaber deftly? Or I, in response to who are you, does she grab the lightsaber and go, wong, 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 wong. Yeah, I don't know if I would do if that would be my answer, but you know, it's possible. Yeah. So, like, don't I said, you have to? I mean, is this still canon? But don't you have to be at least force sensitive to use a lightsaber? Well, I mean, we know that Ray is force sensitive. No, but I mean, because Finn and and Han do. No, I don't think that's considered canon anymore. I'm pretty sure okay. we've no, because Sabine isn't force sensitive, and she's used the dark saber. Uh, I okay. don't believe um, the leader of the Death Watch that had the Darksaber was Force-sensitive, so no. Okay. No, I was I just think, making sure. I think maybe to be, like, Jedi proficient with a saber, you need to have Force-sensitive, you know. I thought, you know, and I just thought I remembered, like, to have some sort of connection with the crystal in it. You know, you, you had to be. You know, that was all, I'm sure that was some part of, I I vaguely remember that, too. I'm sure that's some old EU stuff. I'm sure it is. It's, that's That's been a... Um, uh, adjustment period for me trying to make sure not the, the old EU stuff doesn't cross into the new stuff. You well, know? that's why you, I asked you earlier about Adi Mundy's wives, right? Because like, I couldn't right. remember, you know, there was some history that I had learned and now I'm not sure. 
Yeah. Um, do you think, oh man, it's just got me so excited. Um, I'm stoked. Yeah, man, I'm so stoked. So next up, he says, also making appearances in the last Jedi footage, Chewbacca, General Leia, or General or Leia Organa and Finn. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, a tidbit on the last Jedi footage. In the clip, a character yelled, it's now or never. Sorry to say I couldn't tell you who screamed it. See, this sounds to me like they saw some trailer footage to me. Like That's they what it sounds some- like. Like he doesn't call it a trailer, but it makes me seem see seem like they're showing some early little clips that'll be in the trailer. What about like the super teaser? Yeah. Also making an appearance. Oh, so we talked about that. Apparently, um, uh, it's not in this, but he also has a tweet saying that, uh, you know, her uh, princess, sorry, General Leia's appearance in this footage was very brief, and that she's in like green military garb. Yeah. Um, one last thing on the last Jedi footage we saw all sorts of settings mountains, oceans, forests, deserts looks suitably exotic and epic fuck yeah so that that's exciting to me the, I like the new locations we get in Star Wars movies like I like when they make the universe grow and it sounds like we're going to get a, a nice little variety this makes me wonder you know mountains okay oceans and mountains that's got to be Octu where Luke and Ray are. That so that's going to be one I would imagine. Forests could also be on there. Um deserts, that's going to be some other kind of planet. So, you know, I'm basically I'm just wondering how many environments we're going to get in this. Right. And then uh the last tweet he had was pretty interesting. Um it was that there was a uh shot of a wobbling x-wing taking fire as it flies through a giant starship and said it looked like a wobbly bird oh wow so space action sequence it sounds like it makes me wonder what kind of giant ship or whatever they're flying around in maybe it's the new uh like first order super star destroyers that has been rumored we're gonna be seeing in this that'd be cool yeah, but uh, it'd be cool if we get a, a rebel ship that's equally cool, like a resistant starship. Yeah, that's a good point. Like in Jedi, you know, you have the Mon Cal cruisers and all that stuff, which I always really dug. I know they look kind of weird and bubbly, but I love that design of the Mon Cal cruisers. And it's cool. Yeah. So you have those and those are definitely not as big as like a superstar destroyer for sure yeah. makes me wonder if they're as big as a star destroyer. I don't really know. Don't really know. What, what are the clone carrier? What's the clone star destroyer called? The Republic something. It's not a Cruiser? star. Destroyer. Maybe, maybe I can't remember. Are, aren't they smaller than star destroyers? They are. They are. That's what I'm looking for. In the rebellion, something I don't need it the size of a star destroyer, but that would be cool. But and even like a modified Mon Calamari cruiser, like, but it needs to be awesome looking. You know, it, it would be because then you could tell this awesome story of this one space cruiser over time. I think we'll probably see them have some sort of large star 
destroyer style, you know, a bigger capital ship or whatever you want to call it in the resistance. I could absolutely see that being the case, especially if there's a lot of this type of stuff, you know, makes sense that the resistance ships are more civilian, you know, because the empire is far more militant. You know, what is a, galactic republic need with a standing army yeah and i know i know in the aftermath books they've made sort of a big deal about what's up with all the superstar destroyers that that was kind of a theme in the second one like where they're all at like i know ray sloan has one um and i know that the republic captured some from the empire after endor so they've got that kind of thing and you gotta imagine the entire fleet didn't get blown up by star killer base Right. So th- I bet you we see that. It'd be uh, cool if we had an old stolen like Star Destroyer that has been retrofitted, like, retrofitted yeah. and it doesn't look like an Empire Star Destroyer, but it has the same general shape. Yeah, that's cool. That's real cool. It'd be awesome. Yeah, more, more. That's one thing I really want from the Force. I keep saying the Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, is I want more ships. We, I feel like we didn't get enough sweet ships and ship action in yeah. um in the force awakens so even if they you know continue on the trend of giving us say a wings which have been kind of rumored and there was that uh, on set photo um that made it look like a wings were in it you know if they're suitably up designed and and changed that'll make me happy like you said we need to bring more. back the b wings oh, i love a goddamn b wing i don't know why i like them so much because they're cool looking they are cool. They did some cool stuff with the B wings in Rebels last season. That was There's some, some of my... cool acrobatic stuff that they can do. Yeah, but uh, that's pretty much it for this week. Like I said, not huge spoilers, but just stuff that's interesting to talk about. To me, Indeed. this signals the fact that they were showing footage and we're about a month out from celebration at this point. To me, that signals that there's a trailer coming. And I know that's not going out on a limb, but, you know, there was rumors that, no, we won't be getting a trailer. We'll be getting a behind the scenes. I think there's a trailer coming at that last Jedi panel. And boy, am I going to be trying my hardest. I am so fucking excited about Celebration. I cannot wait. You're going to have a great time. Star Wars Celebration, baby. Woo! I'm peanut butter and jelly. What are you doing here? here? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for Will for recording with me. We did it a little earlier this week to accommodate for our schedules. Yep. And uh, it'll be nice to uh, have it out of the way this week. Uh, next week, we'll uh, we'll be back. I've got a guest sort of lining up. He is international. I'll tease it that way. I The only issue is going to be syncing up our schedules, but uh, hopefully maybe next week we can get that going. But... Uh, I'm excited about it, and you guys uh, should get stoked. He's a... I don't want to give too much away. don't want to give him too much away. He's a cool guy. I think it'll be neat to talk some Star Wars with him. But you got that to look forward to. In the meantime, if you like the band that provided the music for our theme song, if you like that theme song, support the band. They are Stoned Cobra, and they are available on iTunes, on Spotify, and at stonedcobra.com. Follow Will on Twitter, at WillWitten3. Ask him cooking questions. Ask crushing questions. Whatever you may like, I'm sure he'll answer them. Check out all the excellent podcasts on the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. When you got some time. The Bad Motivators, they're coming out with a a show. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this or just a few days after, check them out. 
And that's all. I think that's, that's all, all the plugs I got. I'm plugged out. Uh, in the meantime, or until next week, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> that Kit Fisto thing fucking threw me. Took it. Took it out. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. It means the world to us. We'll see you next week. I'm Halls yeah, Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us.